Hey there, folks. Rob Hessler here with another episode of Art on the Air, my weekly do Savannah special here at savannahnow.com in the entertainment section. Thank you for tuning in. Have another awesome interview lined up this week. Spoke with Ujis Berzish. He is an artist who is also involved with Sulphur Studios, but he's an illustrator who does very, very meticulous drawings that are very punny, I guess you might say. There's kind of a joke within each one of them, but it's a little bit dark humor, a little bit under the radar, and it's really interesting. You can find his work at Future Landfill Press on Instagram, and it's really great work. I, I think you see it, you're going to love it. You're going to love it, and then you're going to hate yourself that you love it because it's that kind of artwork. And he was a really great conversation to have and uh, got really into detail about his background, his process, and, and why he chooses what he chooses. And I think that you're going to really enjoy listening to that. Wanted to mention, of course, as always, you can catch past episodes of Art on the Air and my corresponding Art Off the Air column right here at savannahnow.com, including last week's episode where I spoke with Charlie Ellis about Slam and the week before where I invited David Laughlin onto the show, my Art on the Air co-founder who worked with me the first year and a half of the radio show to talk about his latest series, his Low Country Spirits series, which I absolutely love, and so much more. You can catch everything that I write and also all of the best entertainment information and news out there at savannahnow.com. Again, in the entertainment section, so check that out. Let's get into this week's interview, though. Again, this is Ujis Berzish speaking about his process, his philosophy, and his incredible work, and we're going to spend some time talking about ham. Enjoy. Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers here with Art on the Air Field Notes. We're speaking with our good buddy, Ujis. Is it, the last name is pronounced Brzezin? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, let's go with that. That sounds no, you, great. Tell me, tell me the real way uh, to pronounce it. Berzin. Berzin. Okay. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, that that's wasn't, close. That was close. close. That was pretty It's close. close. Yeah. All right. So we're getting into some nonsense already. It didn't take very long for this interview. But Ujis, I, I mean, you know, obviously, I love your work. In fact, I'm just going to kind of throw this out here to our listening audience to know that I'm totally biased. We have one of your pieces actually on our wall here, mm. a sloth. It's a beautiful sloth that we had temporarily lost and found. And as soon as we found it, we put it up on our wall. But it's a beautiful piece. Now, I think that we might sort of qualify your work as being detailed illustration work, I guess you could kind of say. Would that be fair, sort of a fair characterization? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. So let's, but before we kind of get into the details of what you're doing now, um, because I think you're doing some really interesting work, some really funny and clever work, actually, I want to step back here to your past because. I think you've found sort of a unique style and all that, but that doesn't just, you know, happen overnight. So what, like, what was your childhood like as far as like picking up art for the first time? Like when were you, I mean, were you always sort of interested in art? Were you always like, were you that kid that was like always good at drawing or, you know, kind of what was your, what was your first sort of interest in art? When, even like when you were really young? I'm not sure if uh, I can remember the first time. I just, it was always around me, I guess. My grandfather was an artist he was like a professional artist. He had been an illustrator. He had been a graphic designer. He, when I knew him, he was working in a theater. He would be like painting like backdrops and 
making costumes and basically anything, creating anything. And then um, my mom had gone to art school, which I didn't really realize until much later. And then my dad could just draw, like he was just a, and sculpt and he could do these things. And it was just, so it was always around me. And like art books were a part of just like, we just had some art books. And so it's always not, it's never been like a thing that's like not been available. I think my parents also encouraged any interest I had in it. So if I wanted to like, if I showed any interest, they would just like go in deeper. So I, yeah, I just, it's just always been around and I, I don't remember like a specific moment, I guess, of like me seeing it and re recognizing it as something like specific and different. It was just always kind of just one of the things, you know, like there was food and there was art and there was, you know, air, you know, eh, it's, so it's all good. I love that. You know, I, I'm interested to know though, like, you know, you mentioned your grandfather, your dad, your mom, all these people who have, you know, this artistic background the art that you make has is very fantastical like it has a lot of it's not like you're drawing you know a still life you know the stuff that you're doing these days was it even back then were you kind of interested in i'm almost like depicting sort of fantasy worlds or drawing inspiration from you know pop cultural kind of things like in your contemporary work for example you might see you know things like you know, Batman or Judge Dredd or or even some musicians. There's a Mad Spock, uh, Spock Mad uh, mm -hmm. image that I actually really, really, really love. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even back then, do you, were you kind of interested in those kind of things or was it more traditional, would you say? Back then, I, I mean, like I'm talking like really early. I spent a long time just trying to learn to draw. And I don't remember being like having any direction. I think the first time I kind of, got a direction was when I actually came to the US and picked up my first comic books. And I started kind of like getting engaged in something specific. So I kind of like I was like, Oh, this is interesting to me. And I had seen like the Batman movies, and whatever. And like my first comic book was a Batman comic. So I was just like, Oh, that's interesting. And I did kind of just realized that there was more of it. And I just came, kind of was like, Oh, I could just get more of it that's weird and then i realized i could get like thousands of more of it if i wanted to obviously but um so i think that was like probably my first introduction to anything that was like pop culture and like and back then it wasn't pop culture back then it was like lame culture you know like they had right. a few movies but it was not cool but yeah that was probably the first time actually like that kind of specific symbology and stuff that like i i, I noticed as a specific thing but yeah well, with that background, I mean, obviously, it seems pretty clear that heading off to an art school and you did go to SCAD would be sort of your ultimate path. But I mean, what kind of did ultimately bring you to come to Savannah? I mean, like and decide, well, I'm going to go and well, I mean, I, I assume there's there might have been a, a Jennifer might have had an influence on that. But I <laughs> I wonder, like, what what ultimately made you decide to say, OK, I want to go to school for this and like really invest in it in the long run, would you say? So I went originally at like right out of high school, I went to community college because it's the only thing I could afford. And I kind of didn't have a plan like I didn't at that point. I kind of got burned out on high school, I guess you'd say. I think a lot of people do. So I didn't know what to do. And I hadn't really gotten like any sort of advice about, hey, you should do this to get scholarships to go to school. So you, you know, can learn this thing. So I had no idea really how that worked. And I just was like, okay, well, I don't have money to pay like $20,000 a year for something. And 
I have no credit. And I, I, I was like thinking about it in those terms. And I was like, I don't want to go into debt right now. What am I going to like? That's insane. And so I went to like community college and took some art classes and I just didn't get into it. It wasn't my thing. And then I actually ended up taking off like, I don't know, it, it might've been like seven years where I didn't draw at all. Cause I just like, I didn't know what, why I was doing it. And I spent that time like playing music more and doing other things. And then I think it was, I mean, partially yeah, I was uh, meeting Jennifer and like we were together for a long time. And then she was doing like artist things. So I was just around when she was like, she had a studio in, in Michigan and she was like, all these friends of ours were like artists or some sort of artist. And, and I think I just maybe got jealous. Maybe I was like, <laughs> I love that. But that was part of the reason that I, I started in, I think it's like 2009 maybe where I got serious again. I vaguely remember being in like a Barnes and Noble and like seeing covers to some like fantasy books and thinking, this isn't that good. I can do better. And um, that's kind of pretentious, but it was like, at the same time, I was like, there's so many things like this, like so many illustrations and so many things. And I was like, finally, I was like, okay, I could put a word to what it was that I wanted to kind of maybe try to do at least, which was illustration. So I started looking into like illustration schools and then I realized my grades were terrible because I basically failed art classes in community college. So my grade point average was like two point something, I don't know. And I realized I can't get scholarships that way. So I went to community college for like two years, I think, just to get my grades up basically. Yeah, and then I started, look, I started looking around for schools and it was actually me being like, because Jennifer already had her degree from Western and she didn't need to go to school, but she was like vaguely thinking about maybe going to like um, uh, getting a master's or whatever. And I just was like, well, I, you know, and so I started looking and SCAD was one of the schools that had both a program for me and a program for her. And, and the main reason really is that SCAD uh, gave us money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, you know, if they had not given us money, there was another school in Michigan that gave me money. So I could have gone just in like up to Grand Rapids, which would have been a whole different experience. Um, and probably great and fine and everything, but it was, you know, we also had visited Savannah before, but just to like come down, we had a friend here that taught for like a semester at SCAD and we were like visited them. So we had like a chance to like see the town and we liked the town. So that was another like draw, I guess. So, but mostly wow, the could money. You imagine that. Could you seriously imagine that though? Like you think about those moments in your life that like you could go into different directions and sure. like Grand Rapids, Michigan versus Savannah, Georgia, and like those two places. And I mean, I know, like, um, you know, you you guys had that big studio space out in Michigan that was similar to Sulphur, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, right? And we're talking about Jennifer Moss, by the way. Yeah. For those out there listening, um, you know, yeah, Jennifer Moss is is Ujis's partner. So, and of course, she's one of the founders of of Sulphur Studios. But yeah, I mean, like, just think about that. It's so those are they seem so like divergent paths. Yeah, I guess it's it's very like, I mean, there's definitely a lot, lot of those moments where you're like thinking like, well, what if the whole country had voted completely differently? You know, what would happen? You know, and then you imagine this amazing, horrible situation where somebody completely unqualified goes into office and it's just, you know, you never know. So it sounds oddly specific. 
what, what am I talking about? I, I don't know. I was talking about the Berenstein Bears. Yep, that's what it is. It definitely feels like sometimes there's a weird split reality um, where a different version of me is living in a box somewhere right now. You know. Well, that's definitely true. <laughs> me too. I mean, I have to be honest with you. I have those moments as well that yeah. the path could have gone in either direction. Oh, yeah. and, and you kind of look at those things. That's really interesting. Well, look, I want to really jump forward here because, okay. you know, obviously you came to SCAD and, and you graduated in 2014 and you've been uh, now, you know, really invested in, in helping to make Sulphur Studios grow and then also work on your own work. And you mentioned your, your interest in music as well. And you have your band Ditka, which is, um, which I want to talk a little bit about, but let's kind of like talk about you kind of going forward in your artwork, because I, this is a little funny sort of side story that I think you'll think is interesting is that we were, um, this is before I met you and kind of, I think before you were really showing your work around town a lot, you know, in like the various shows and stuff like that. And I think, and I was at a meeting, I happened to be at a meeting where people were, I think that they might have been talking, it was about a group show that was going to be happening over at Sulphur Studios. And I was there and there were they were talking about, oh, who should we invite to participate in this group show? And Jennifer said, you should invite Ujus, my, my partner. He's really, he's actually really, really good. And it was really funny to me because I was like, okay, well, who's this guy? Like, I had never met you. I mean, I probably saw you lurking around, like, in the... Be sure. In oh, the I Sulphur definitely Studios. lurk. But, but it was funny, though, because it's like, I do feel like, to a certain extent, like, you're totally under the radar, but, like, the work is... I mean, the, to me, it's I, I think it's just so good. Um, and I'll mention to people here, too, you can find Ujus's work. Like, Future Landfill Press is kind of your... It catches everything. I mean, you've got that on Instagram, on your your store envy. I think actually it's Ujis though on Patreon. But yeah, I mean, Future Landfill Press is your kind of your imprint. But I mean, like, when that kind of happened for you, where you're like not just doing your illustration work in your own little, you know, your own space, and then you're deciding, you know, here in Savannah that you know what I want to get out there and kind of like I don't know, become a part of shows and become a part of the local art landscape and sort of get more out into the open here as far as like in the local scene and not just on Instagram because you are quite popular online with your work and everything like that. When did it kind of like you decided to actually put yourself out there a little bit here locally? I mean, a lot of it was just Sulphur putting on group shows and me getting kind of roped into being in them by Jennifer just saying, hey, you should be in the show or uh, I signed you up for the show. You're on the poster already. And I would be like, I love that. Well, I, I am okay. I get okay. And then, then I would have to like either come up with something or find something that I had done that would fit. And some of the stuff is like easy. Like we would do like the yearly show, which is just like kind of the white elephant show, which is just like anything basically. Like it's 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 really leftovers, if you will. You know, like people's like reheated and they're like, you know, they've been in the fridge for a while. So you put them on the wall and hope people buy them so that you don't have to starve next year. So those are easy, but like some theme specific shows. I think the piece that you bought was in a more specific themed show. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I think that, and it's weird. It's like, I've not really reached out a lot. Most of the shows like locally have been like people reaching out to me 
Um, and a few times I have not been able to do it just because of like time constraints or something else is happening. But usually like it's like, why not? My attitude is kind of like, why not? Because like maybe like a sing a new one person finds me and that's great. If, if, if anybody's been online recently, having one person follow you on any social media is massive. It's like, you're like, oh my God, how did this happen? Well, oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. And you want to like send them like money for following. Especially you. if you don't know, if you don't know them, like if you don't know oh, yes. them and they follow yeah. you're like, how did this person even, right. like, why do they even care? Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you suddenly like are really curious and how they found you and you're like, what are you like? What advertising worked, you know, I don't do any advertising, but what advertising worked is what your thought is like, what, you know, which piece caught your eye? How did it get to you? Because there's, you know, social media is completely blocked off by algorithms now. And even like established artists can barely get through it where like companies only allow you like 10% access. And then they want you to buy ads to get through the rest of it. And it's just like, it's, it's basically impossible unless you're posting really good pictures of your butt then then you got a chance like or you painting and you have a nice butt that's oh solid that's the money maker marketing strategy it is I, I, whenever i see that i'm like oh i wish i was hot oh you know that's my biggest regret that i didn't choose to be hot <laughs> i think one of the things that i think is interesting and and i don't want to get too much we talked before we went on the air we're not going to talk too much about your marketing because um because of the fact it's boring. that boring. Well, I don't think it's boring. I think it's actually fascinating. But the we we did talk a little bit of, a lot about that actually the last time you were on the radio show, and I so I want to really stay focused on the art. But right. I think one of the things that you do have going for you as far as like the work that you create is that you are sort of reimagining some. Well, we talked about you know pop cultural things, but also like. I mean, you might even say like nerd culture or like things that aren't really that cool, but there is a really strong, small following. Like I, at your future landfill press uh, store envy, there is, you know, I mean, like you've got uh, Sonic the Edgehog, for example, and, and, um, which is Sonic walking, you know, he's older and he's got a walker or I mentioned um, Spock Mad, which is kind of this mashup of Hulk, the Incredible Hulk and Spock. And, And you've got these images um, I love Johnny Questlove. I, I think that's such that's so brilliant. Talk about puns. Talk a little bit about yeah. puns. Like, where does this kind of thing come from? Because you, there are other artists who use puns in their work, but you kind of take this sort of dark and twisted road down the puns that are, and they're they're really funny and they're a little dark, but they're really funny. And and where does that come from? Well, it's basically bad humor, right? So lots of it is the origin of it, or when people. You know, on TV shows, if you're watching a sitcom, somebody says a pun and everybody groans. Um, so the idea was, I think, and actually I knew a friend, I worked with him a long time ago, who he was, he would just talk in puns. Like he would every time, like almost any sentence, he, he would find a pun in it. And it was impressive, but they were all groaners. Um, I mean, you weren't talking about my husband, though, so that's kind of shocking. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, uh, I'm talking. I'm talking about a different guy. But, I love uh, dad jokes, though. I have to admit, there's sure, something. Yeah, I mean, I know they're bad, but there is something about. It. Anyway, continue right. your story. Well, it's like, yeah, like, and there's like a kind of almost a stigma with them, where like you're like, oh, that's the lowest form of humor, or you know, there's all kinds of different things about it. And I feel and like, it's totally uncool. 
there's nothing yeah, yeah. Oh, cool about it. Right, exactly. And and I kind of that's part of the challenge is right. Like you use something that's completely uncool to maybe actually say something interesting or to mock something, but in like a yeah, a slightly biting way. Like I'm not I don't think I'm really mean sometimes, maybe a little bit, but like I'm I don't really want to be mean. That's not the goal. The goal is just to be like push you a little bit out of comfort and out of like the because there are there are ways you can make puns that is like the obvious way and then there's this like other levels of it where you can make like more under the like surface jokes and then and it's also it's just wordplay really is what it is i really i love wordplay i love that's why i love i love certain hip-hop musicians because of their wordplay like like mf doom you know r.i.p obviously but like the wordplay is amazing and and you can anybody can you know just even if you just read it and you know it's just amazing stuff you're also very deadpan in the way that you deliver it's almost like you say something and you just kind of shrug it off and walk away from it but mm-hmm. you're also kind of waiting for the the moment where it sinks in right and i know that there've been many times where i've been talking to you and you've said something and i just have this where my face will kind of shift as it suddenly hits my brain. <laughs> and I just, I love your sense of humor and the way you play with words. And it's, it's wonderful. I'm a big fan of uh, lots of like British humor and like just dark comedies in general. And so I love that idea of things being very, very funny, but also like painful sometimes or a little more honest than you wanted to realize like i'll make a joke and everybody's like ha 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 and then suddenly they're like oh this is really sad oh so you know that's but that's that's always that's always fun that's like it's a it's a better way to go i think than to just make the obvious pun or to do the obvious uh joke so i don't know that's well just- you know okay so let's let's delve into one specific subject which i think actually does a pretty good job of what you're talking about and that's kind of your obsession with like ham and pigs i think sure. because because the way that they're depicted okay so they're anthropomorphic yeah they always have this sort of like intellect to them but they're always kind of depicted in this way that also makes it clear their food. And I think that that's the thing that is like sort of disturbing about it. Like for example, you have a piece called Hamlet, right? And I want to talk about your priority mail label piece mm-hmm. as well or pig pig shock. Mm-hmm. There are like these images and like let's like look at Hamlet for example, like the 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 creature is like very stylized looks like a you know it's a pig stylized kind of to depict a certain type of actual human being but the way that they look they look almost like ham not just the pig almost like ham like the, right. the the texture and all of that and so you're right like i look at it and i think there is the hamlet you know which is kind of like a funny like dad joke total dad joke he's yeah, got yeah, the yeah. skull and he's talking to it and it's Hamlet. Right. you know what i mean and you've got that but then like it's also this like meat product like living meat product and bothers me a little like it's funny but it bothers me and i think and i mean and i mean that as a compliment like i think that that's why it's effective because it has that so i mean i don't know just sort of talk a little bit about those works and sort of how you kind of because you a lot of times i notice and somebody i'm somebody that follows you i'm one of your your patrons on patreon and you kind of 
fall down rabbit holes, I would say, where like you get into a subject matter and you like get into it. Like you go deeper and deeper and deeper into a subject matter and you fall down the rabbit hole of it. So like, how does that kind of thing evolve where it's not, it's not just one joke. It's like a series of jokes almost, or a series of like, it's like you're pushing it further and further each time. Right. Uh, the ham thing was, I'm not exactly sure when it started or what the first piece was, but you know, it's all, it's like ham is in so many words and so many different ways you can use it. And, and I think my thought was just like all the things that like were obvious and then all the things that were not obvious. So, you know, like, again, it's all, it's like, it's like maybe in the beginning I'll do something really obvious, but then like I did like a, you know, I got to a point where I did this sketch that I really loved and I kind of still want to make a sculpture of it, but it's a hammer, which is just a pig snout as a hammer, you know, but still a claw hammer. And I like that idea. I like the idea of turning these objects and like turning, and, and I don't even think about like, I think that's that I'm kind of making them like human almost. And, and, and yeah, I'm not like, it's not like I'm drawing like little lines on them with like cuts or something, you know, or I'm saying like, Oh, this is the whatever cut to be like, really. Cause there, there are, there are definitely illustrators that like are like pushing an agenda. Like they have a specific, the agenda is like, Oh, don't eat meat. Uh, you know, wash your hands. Don't get COVID, you know, like, you know, all these political agendas. Um, <laughs> don't get COVID. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Keep your hands off of my COVID. Um, <laughs> But I think that for me, it's more about like how far I can take the joke and how obscure or how weird I can get. And then sometimes that means me drawing like a Japanese children's hamster character as a pig, you know, like there's that that happens sometimes. And nobody like most people didn't know what the hell was going on, like why I drew that. But for me, it was fun because I was like, oh, yeah, this is where I'm going, obviously, you know, because, you know, Hamlet is obvious. Abraham Lincoln is obvious, you know, like there's things that are that right away happen and then you just kind of build on it and you're like, oh, well, how can this get more obscure and weird? And you almost start like finding words that are not don't have ham in them, but they sound like ham. And then you slowly, just slowly are getting further and further away until it doesn't make any sense at all. And then, and then you stop because even you don't know why you're doing it anymore. So that's see, I, I think that's interesting. It's like, you know, okay, let's just take the hammer for example, yeah. which like, that's funny. I mean, you think of it and it's like a pig snout and it's a, you know, it's a hammer and, but it's yeah. a ham, it's got the pig snout, but then like, Okay, that's, so that's like the very first visceral reaction. But then if you think about like if this thing existed, like you're talking about making a sculpture of it. Yeah. Like if this thing existed, like it's totally revolting. Like it's disgusting. Sure. You're like smashing like a pig snout. Right. <laughs> like I mean yeah. – and, and I think that there's a lot of that. Or like um, the – you may, made mention of the Japanese character Hamtaro and like mm -hmm. it's got – it's like a, a, a Japanese character. It's, it, and, and then my first thought is like there's a plushie. Right. Sure. There's like, and like, if you think about like a furry plushie, but instead of like, there's, there's like ham parts in it. Like it, to me, like it becomes this, it, it there. And I, I think even if we don't consciously make the connection to things like that, I almost feel like a lot of your work works on that, like sort of subconscious level where it's like, there's something off about it. Even if we can't figure it out, like we know that there's something there 
that makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like yeah, using the word ham, which is as like, that's a food item, technically. So instead of saying pig, so, you know, right away, that changes what the approach is and what I'm trying to say. So that you're constantly reminded that, you know, this thing that you think is cute and you're like, oh, this is cute. Wow, what a funny idea. And then you're like, oh, right. I would have to eat ham taro. Oh, oh, I'm a monster. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. Well, look, I want to let's I want to talk about. So you mentioned ham taro. I mentioned, you know, pig shock and Hamlet and all these. The drawings are these original drawings, which are. Beautifully rendered and, you know, highly skilled works that you've created. They're done on priority mail labels. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit about the kind of decision to do that. Because that's a, um, that's sort of a common use of those labels is to to make artwork or graffiti art. A lot of times just kind of put it on these, put on these labels and such. You'll see them around town and stuff, even here in Savannah, but especially like in bigger cities, because Mm -hmm. it's like a sticker you can basically get for free and you can use it. So talk a little bit about sort of how you got involved in using those stickers and then like now why you're still using them. Because obviously, I mean, these are fine art pieces. Like for example, you look at, you know, Hamtaro is is you know forty bucks. Hamlet sixty bucks. Like these are drawings. <laughs> like you're selling these. They're not like it's not like just a throwaway object. I mean, you can pay forty dollars to throw it away. That's fine. I, I, Future Landfill Press. I mean, that's the name of. There you go. Business. There you go. <laughs> Please buy my product. The terrible, terrible products you can throw away yourself. Um, that's my whole brand is just throw away my stuff. But the the original idea was. Somebody, I think it was Camden Noir, who had a book of a collection of all these like different priority labels. And I think, I think he was working on a second volume and was just kind of reaching out to people being like, hey, submit more stuff and I'll, you know, it'll end up in maybe the second book. And he was looking for a publisher. And I don't know if he ever found one. I don't know what's happening with that. I mean, like, I don't know what's going on with publishing at all right now or if anything's being made. So, but I just like, I didn't hate the paper, which was the main issue with it. Like I was mostly, I was just like, oh, I don't hate this paper. It's like, it's not amazing. Uh, like there's limits to what you can use on it. Uh, if you start going into watercolor, it becomes, it starts bubbling and doing things. If you, but you can like go pretty, pretty heavy on it if you want. And I mostly I use ink. So for me, it's really not an issue and ink works fine on it. And even like something like gouache, which is like a more opaque watercolor dryer also, it works fine and and I can make it work. And I think it's just the challenge of the size and the limit of the space and the kind of like, you know, like there's text on it. So it gets in the way and you have to kind of a little bit think about it and you're like, oh, okay. Well, do I want to cover it up or do I want to like use it in some way? And then sometimes I do and sometimes I, you know, I make these decisions. And I think it's just like a little, a quick challenge to be like, what can I do on this tiny thing? Which is why I like it, I think, is because it's like a tiny challenge and it's not. And then it gives you this graphic element that's already there so that people can identify it and they can be like, oh, this is a real item. This is a real thing instead of like a blank piece of paper that could be like digital. It could be anything. This is, oh no, this is a real thing that I've held in my hands or I've gotten a package with this on it. So I understand like the size of it. I understand like the, 
you know, and, and I think that maybe it's just like a way of like imparting like what could be done, you know, because I, I mean, I like to work small anyway. So that's part of it too, is just like uh, give, giving people like a sense of scale for, and like, you know, and, and tactile like understanding. So I don't know, that's my thoughts. All right. Well, uh, this is a question that I've kind of had for a little while. Um, it's mostly on your self self portraits. Uh, why the lack of a nose? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I need one. I mean, like I, I need one, obviously I enjoy it, but I don't know if I need one to express emotions. I mean, if you've read manga, for example, uh, lots of manga characters don't really have noses, you know, and they're usually very cute girls or cute boys or anything in between, you know, it's just like, they're very like adorable. They have really big eyes and you, you love them and you're like, Oh, and they're just chopping up that body. It's so cute. So I just don't ever, I don't know if I like, I just thought about like, it's also probably was a speed thing where I was like, I was just doodling and I was drawing and I was like, well, do I need the nose to express this emotion, to express this facial feature or whatever? Like it doesn't, it didn't really, if I need it, like if I need to show, like, I'm like crinkling my nose in some way, then, then I would include it obviously. Cause there's no rules about it. Like I don't follow rules, but like, I'll just like get rid of it if I don't need it because like, you know, it's like, Sometimes my character only has like four fingers, you know, like the Simpsons or something. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. It's like, that's the joy of um, cartooning in general is like, you have this freedom to like, just respond and be like, well, this time I'm going to draw myself with whatever, you know, I can, I can, I can be really buff if I want, you know, I can, I can without working out even, you know, it's like cheating. It's great. You know, I will say, since you bring it up, your mouths and your eyes are so full of expression and the way that you pose your figures or yourself in these images, it really does convey a lot. So yeah, I mean, lack of nose does not hinder what you're trying to get across at all. I do really enjoy that sort of, I, I don't know, I mean, I think it takes a lot of skill to be able to put that kind of emotion into something so simple. And it's not simple the way you do it. Your line work is astounding. Oh my God. The soft piece that we have, I love looking at it at just the right angle in the light so I can see that detailed line work. It's just amazing. I don't know. I'm gushing. I'm, I'm sure. being a fangirl. I love your work. It's, it's really beautiful. And uh, it's really nice to kind of hear some of your reasoning behind this and the, the, you know, background stories, because it kind of fills in some of the blanks and makes me really appreciate the work even more. So she's one of those followers that you were talking about that you were excited about getting. Yes, please. <laughs> I have a hill. Would you like to follow me over it? Come with me. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is, you know, last night I was standing under your patio looking up at your uh, balcony, just wondering, you know, mm -hmm. are you going to show some more work or do I have to go knock on the door? Yeah. But Rob told me it was time to come home and put the kid to bed. So, yeah, yeah. You can throw like you can cut out like hearts, heart shaped pieces of paper at my windows. And if that stick and if I see them, then I'll know that people are engaging with my work. Can so I just how... throw animal hearts? That, you can throw any heart. That would stick better. Probably. You, that's a good point. You should try it. So okay. many cats in the neighborhood. You should. <laughs> All right. Before we go too far off the rails, <laughs> I, 
I want to follow. I just want to ask one one last question as we kind of round off this interview here because we think that this is something that's important. And I and I really, you know, we talk about this a lot with artists. You know, we we have an artist on and we talk about one thing that they do, and it's the you know, it's you know, it's painting or it's sculpture or in this case, we've been talking a lot about illustration. But one of the things I think that's interesting is that you and you mentioned this earlier in the interview is that you are very much interested and very engaged in also making music talk a little bit about that if you would because i think that i, I love it that you make music i love it that you're doing that just as a, in the sense that it's like you kind of just are doing your thing you know what i mean like it's it's so different than what you do i mean actually i think musically it kind of makes sense like there is a synergy between your art and your music in a lot of ways, but just talk a little bit about sort of your interest in music and where that comes from and, and, and kind of what you're up to there. Yeah. I, I just recently released an album, which I don't really release albums, but I did for my band Ditka and um, which is obviously named after a very famous football coach in Chicago, even though I'm not a sports fan, but it doesn't make, it doesn't matter. The, the point is. Okay. 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 Why did you name your band Ditka? You, it's well, you and it's you and one of your. You yeah, it's, a, it's a friend of mine. Yeah, um, and it was basically a joke. Like we thought it was funny at the time, and and that's like a lot of like the reasoning behind lots of like names and lots of things. I mean, it's the same. In many ways, it's the same humor. Like at least when it's coming from me, right? Like my friend has a different sense of humor, so if he's writing the words, then it's different. But it's like if like I'm responsible for all the things, like if I'm doing the music and I'm doing the words and all that stuff, then it's like, if you like the humor in my art, you're probably going to find a very similar sense of humor in my music. It's just, I can't escape it. It's going to be there in some way. Uh, it might be a little more blatant sometimes just because it is like actually like a, you know, like you can hear it. There's a actual element, like maybe I'm actually saying it out loud, but music was, I mean, I grew up like obviously just with music around me again, like it was my dad was a huge fan of like music and like would play like records to me. And I just, I don't, again, I don't remember a time without music. So it's like always been around, but uh, I think me trying, I try, I think I tried to take guitar lessons back in, I don't know, 94 or something. And I, I was terrible. I was just terrible. Uh, and again, it was one of those situations where I quit. I just like, I was like, I took, I tried and I quit. And then years later, I figured out that, you know, I had a guitar and I was like, kind of just like sitting in my room sometimes for hours, like whether I was, you know, and I think it was like around the time where I was not drawing anymore. And maybe I, I started like picking it up more and trying to just be like, well, I'm just going to spend like an hour each day trying something. And then, and I think it's just like, not for like a year I did that um which was you know now it's so difficult to do anything like that where you're just like oh I'm just gonna do something for an hour each day you're like nothing works that way at least for me but like it's also for people with a toddler sure yeah like work. I mean oh sure right <laughs> I mean so it's one it's like it was just another like thing and it was like an excuse to hang out with people and I um and I took it kind of seriously in some ways and I think it's like with everything, like either with my visual art and everything else, where like if I take it too seriously, it becomes painful and not like I've quit things because they weren't fun sometimes. Like I've just like, you know, like I I used to take martial arts but as a kid because every kid took martial arts as a kid. So I took martial arts and I was like, 
you know, enjoying it. And I was getting up there and getting like the belts and all that stuff. And, and then there was a point where like, it stops being fun and becomes really competitive and becomes really like people take it too seriously. And like, I was still having fun. Like I would be like laughing and like having fun and other people would be like trying to kick my head off, you know? And that's like partially like, you know, illustration is also very competitive. Music can be very competitive depending on what style you do or whatever. And I was just like, I don't, I don't want to go even in their lane. I don't want to deal with this. Like, this is not, these are not like, why would I, and it wasn't that like, I was like, I can't compete with these people. I just partially didn't want to, like, I was like, why are you so concerned about this stuff? It's like people that wear jerseys all the time. And you're like, you know, it's not even the season, man. What are you doing? Or in high school where somebody was on a football team and they were wearing the jersey every day. And you're like, what do you, you, do you not have other shirts? What's going on? And it's like a weird, like, status symbol or something and i just never wanted that so it's very like i try to not be pretentious about it i just like try to like keep it like just specific to me and so that's why my music is terrible uh most of it anyways like i don't i don't promote most of my music because there's like years and years and years of it like lots of it is online and it's just awful oh it's just some of it is unlistenable and and that's fine because i like listen to it back and i have this like memory of the time I spent with my friends making it or you know or ideas that were in my head you know there's a point where I was really into politics but in a different way like than I am now uh, I was much more like visceral about it and like angry and all this stuff and so some of that appears in music and it's just interesting it's like it's like reading almost like a weird old journal like I mean I actually have an old live journal that I found recently and it's just the worst but music, you can kind of ignore the words and you can kind of just like be like, oh, yeah, I was a terrible guitarist, but it's fine because there's a weird like nostalgia feeling. And I don't know. I'm like weird. I'm like, I'll listen to sometimes like there's good music in the world. There's tons of good music. And sometimes I'll just listen to my own music like a moron. I don't know. It's very strange. I want to ask you about that because I, I think something that you just said was really fascinating is that you said that it evokes like a nostalgia and like you remember these times. Do you feel that way about your art at all? Like your, your visual art, is there like thing? Cause I've had that experience before too, like where I remember sort of certain periods of like making specific artworks and it really, it's wistful almost. Like I kind of feel transported back to the time period of my life that I was working on those works. Do you have that similar experience at all with art or is it or your visual art or is it really just with music, would you say? I think it's mostly for with music for me. Uh, the visual art is kind of, it's mostly like just, I can look back and like track my progress. Like you can see uh, versions of my er early work. Like, I, you know, obviously I have like a deviant art because I'm really cool, but you could go there and you could look at older stuff and you could be like, oh, okay, I can see kind of where you were starting to mess with like your ideas, you know, there's like a, some terrible pieces, but they're like, they're going the direction that I am now. And you can see that. And it's kind of interesting, but like, yeah, it's, it's visual art is not that kind of thing for me. It's not, I don't, I don't get those feelings about it. I think, and I don't know why, but yeah, music is just more emotional and more engaging all around. Cause it's like, it's just like you can literally put on headphones and just get lost in it. And like, I can close my eyes and kind of just get lost in it. And it's like, 
and yeah, there's just like an emotional element that I don't get from my art. My art is not that kind of thing. My art is more just like, I feel quick and like, you know, either to the point or not, but it's like, and you can enjoy it as much as you want, but it's like one of those things where I make it also just to work aesthetically. So you can just look at it and be like, oh, what nice lines you've got. Or then you can be like, oh, wait, what is it called? Oh my God, what does it do? Oh, this isn't right. This is, is this allowed? You know, like there's those levels, which I like, but so it's like you, it's like, what is a project mayhem from Fight Club where you choose your own level of involvement kind of thing, you know? So if you want to dig deeper, you can. And that's what I like about the visual art, but like, um, and it's actually the same thing with music for me, like, because I put in references in the music too, but you know, I don't, you can, I'm, I'm more like when I listen back, I'm often just like enjoying just like the overall mood or ambiance as they call it well i mean i think that that's how a lot of people listen to music too i mean i think that's a lot of times what i listen to music and and different songs and bands and things can mean so much they can mean different things at different times too like where you know there'll be like music that i i don't even necessarily i mean maybe i've listened to songs like you know dozens of times and then all of a sudden like a particular verse or or theme pops out to me five years after the first time i ever listened to it that was not important to me then and it is important right. to me now yeah and those kind of things can evolve over time which i think is really one of the most powerful things about music is that you know we can have those changing experiences and right. um and i think that that's really interesting so Anyway, I want to round off this interview, Ujus, but before we do that, I want to make sure that people can find you, and I don't mean your home address, where, uh... <laughs> although Sulphur Studios is never a bad place to find you, if people want to kind of follow your work, buy your work, support your work, where is the best way? Give us all the places that people can find you. So, uh, best way is probably through Instagram. Future Landfill Press is my name, uh, or just you can search for my name, which is U-G-I-S. Or uh, if you want to listen to my terrible music, you can go to cashleech.com, um, and that forwards to my Bandcamp account. I'm also on Spotify if you, or any of those streaming services. Somehow they, I got through. I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed, but I was. Because it's better than you think it is. I mean, than you're, it's, it's not, I don't I think, it's, think it's pretty good, actually. I like I it. I enjoy it. Let, let's be clear. Spotify doesn't care about quality. They were looking for DMCA claims, and I think that they could have claimed things in my music that I was definitely referencing. Um, <laughs> so, but I'll, I'll leave that up to anybody that decides to listen to find the, the gems, as I like to call them or references so yeah those are the best ways just or if you you can also just go to futurelandfullpress.com if you just want to shop at my store or whatever but like i don't know I, I don't have like a unified brand really it's very like you know just think about me and it'll come you know very cool well Ujus, really appreciate you coming and talking with us today i mean we gretchen and i are huge fans of your work and uh and it's, it's nice to get some more of the background and details all about it. So we appreciate you coming on to the show today. Cool. Thanks for having me. Everybody knows that pestilences have a way of recurring in the world. Yet somehow we find it hard to believe in ones that crash down on our heads from a blue sky. There have been as many plagues as wars in history. And always, plagues and wars take people equally by surprise. When a war 
war breaks out, people say, it's too stupid, it can't last long. But though war may well be too stupid, that doesn't prevent its lasting. Stupidity has a knack of getting its way, as we should see if we were not always so much wrapped up in ourselves. In this respect, our townsfolk were like everybody else, wrapped up in themselves. In other words, they were humanists. They disbelieved in pestilences. Pestilence isn't a thing made to man's measure. Therefore, we tell ourselves that pestilence is a mere bogey of the mind, a bad dream that will pass away. But it doesn't always pass away. And from one bad dream to another, it is men who pass away, and the humanists first of all, because they haven't taken their precautions. Our townsfolk were not more to blame than others. They forgot to be modest, that was all, and thought that everything still was possible for them, which presupposed that pestilences were They went on doing business, arranged for journeys, and formed views. How should they have given a thought to anything like play, which rules out any future, cancels journeys, silences the exchange of views? They fancied themselves free. No one will ever be free so long as there are pestilences. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air.